The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you already know you're exactly in the right place. The buzz today, well, you can't tell from the weather here in New York, but if it rains any harder, it'll be true. The buzz is surfs up. What is she talking about? Well, let's get started. The digital modernization of your logistics network with automated warehouse functions increasing, you know what I'm talking about, requires you to have end-to-end real-time visibility into locations all around the world. Who isn't global today? Let's be honest. If you're not global, if you're local, you must aspire to be global. Somebody is going to bring you into this globalized digital economy one of these days. That's what we're talking about. So why is it worth your while to hurdle the obstacles to get there, to achieve this digital modernization of your logistics network? Okay, the digitized logistics world can enable your company to grow faster. You want that. Come on, admit it. Who doesn't want to grow and who doesn't want to grow faster? Survive, thrive, grow, sustain. You know what it means. And you want to grow more efficiently into markets and channels that you couldn't get into before. It sounds like a dream come true. Now, if we call this riding the wave, you will get my reference in the buzz to surfs up. Aha. So you're ready to learn how. We have three experts. If you already know what this is all about, stick around. You're going to learn from them. If you're scratching your head and saying, what in the world is she talking about? This is worthwhile, so stick around. The experts speak. First up on the panel, I'm pleased to welcome Parminder Singh, Senior Manager at Deloitte Consulting. And Parm and I have spoken so many times on our prep calls and through emails that he told me I could call him just Parm, P-A-R-M. His last name is S-I-N-G-H, if you want to look him up. And Parm has sent me a wonderful quote from Taichi Ono, O-H-N-O. As a matter of fact, Mr. Ono is so famous that there is a handle on Twitter that's Ono Said, O-H-N-O-S-A-I-D. Look it up. He is the Toyota executive and father of the Toyota production system. Why is this so important? Well, let me just read you a little bit. Uh, Taichi Ono, who lived from 1912 to 1990. That's right. He has a Twitter handle and he has been gone since 1990. He was a Japanese industrial engineer and a businessman considered to be the father of the Toyota production system, which became lean manufacturing in the U.S. He devised a system called the Seven Wastes, or MUDA, M-U-D-A in Japanese, those of you wanting to get onto Jeopardy one of these days, 
as part of the system. He wrote several books, including Toyota Production System Beyond Large Scale Production. And his principles influenced areas outside of manufacturing and have been extended into the service arena. I'm going to stop there and read the quote. Here's the quote Parham picked. All we are doing is looking at the timeline from the moment the customer gives us an order to the point when we collect the cash. Amen. Parm Singh, welcome. How are you? I'm doing excellent, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on the show. We are delighted, and a shout-out to you and all of your wonderful colleagues, especially Carl and Neil at Deloitte Consulting. Uh, we have I, It's almost like SAP and Deloitte on the radio these days, and it's a wonderful thing. Parham, are you a big follower of Taichi Ono, and, and what does this have to do with our topic on digitizing logistics for the digital economy and modernization? Talk to me. Okay, so let me, um, I'm actually, I'm a great fan of uh, Taiki Ohano, um, and the simple fact is I'm in, uh, I'm in a business, I'm in a consulting business of logistic, warehousing, and distribution. So um, all we are looking at is all the opportunities, how to eliminate the waste. How can we streamline our processes which outrun the waste overburden, inconsistency, and eliminate the waste. And it is, it is very crucial uh, today's modern business that all the processes are flexible as necessary as it should be. Now, I think let, let me tie back it to our current um, challenges that all top organizations are facing nowadays. Everybody is trying to improve the responsiveness, reduce the delivery time, reduce the delivery cost. So that's exactly what this process did. It tried to eliminate all the unwanted processes in between and make sure that this process is streamlined and ends and meet the, meet the common goal, which is serving our customers in better ways. So that's how it, it ties back. And now what we have done in, 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 in modern era is that we have put a, a small like sensors during this process and sending this information back to the portals where customer can you know um, know where their parts are. Are they on the road? Are they still in the plant? Are they still in the warehouse? So you know it, it gives them a feel that somebody is caring about their orders. So that's how it is tying back to our today's topic. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm very intrigued by the use of the word waste. Uh, it's something that those of us outside the industry don't really know much about, and, and you defined it very, very well, Parm. Uh, just a quick question. What do you think Mr. Taiichi Ono would say if he knew that you were quoting him on a web-based radio show called Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers talking about modernizing and digitizing logistics. Do you think he would say, thank you very much, Parm? Or do you think he would say, what? What would he say? I think he'll be very happy that we're still, we are still following um, the path that he showed us. I think you're right. I absolutely do. So in absentia, we do a, a nod and a shout out to Mr. Ono. Thank you very much. And now I'd like to introduce our second panelist, also a senior manager with Deloitte Consulting. He is Matt Miller. And keeping along with the Toyota theme, no, this is not a show about Toyota, but it just happened to have come up. Uh, he has sent me a quote, from, paraphrase, from the Toyota way to lean 
leadership. And interestingly enough, uh, let's see now. I did a little looking up. There is a book of this name written by Jeffrey Liker with Gary Convis. And Jeffrey Liker is a professor of industrial and operations engineering at the University of Michigan who wrote the Toyota Way, Toyota Way Fieldbook, Toyota Talent, Toyota Product Development System, Toyota Culture, the Toyota Way to Continuous Improvement. You think he likes Toyota? And Toyota Under Fire in the newest book with Gary Convis, as I said, is the Toyota Way to Lean Leadership. So, and by the way, if you want to know who this uh, this Jeffrey Liker is, he plays golf, he watches football and basketball, and he's relearning classical guitar. That's all I'm going to say about him. You want to look him up. Here's the quote Matt Miller has selected and paraphrased. Problems are excellent guides to improvement, but only if the real problem is identified. Ooh, that's deep. Matt Miller, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. Oh, delighted. Matt, I, I just can't get over your radio voice. That's just a beautiful thing there. So so I want to hear you talk. Are you a big fan of the Toyota way and lean leadership? And how does this relate to our topic of digital logistics and insights and real-time visibility in the modern world in the global digital economy? Tell me. I am. Um, so I was trained as a black belt, so we kind of had the Toyota principles uh, drilled into us at the time. Um, so, the, But this one has always stuck with me. And what have we found is, you know, a few years ago or, or back before we had as much data in our, uh, at our midst, there was a big push towards gut feel for making decisions. And we were only as good as um, the people that were kind of in the forefront with those gut feelings and where they led us. Well, then we started to get a bunch of data, and we're getting more and more, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, more now. But um, you would think that we would get to data-driven decisions, we'd find the right problems, we'd start to solve those problems, and everything would be operating, you know, uh, much better. What we found is people just use that data to make their gut feelings uh, carry more weight instead of actually taking a look at what the data is telling us, making sure we have the right data collection methods, making sure our data analysis is right, and, uh, and, and making sure that we're actually looking at the right problems to solve so that we drive that waste out of our processes and, uh, and try to make sure our cycle time is faster on our supply chains. Interesting, Matt. Just, uh, let me bring in a term here. Does it take a data scientist to figure out what the real problem is? The, the rest of the quote is only if the real problem is identified. Is this a question of digging deep into analytics, looking into data past and going deep into the past, uh, looking into waste issues, as uh, Parm brought up before and, and you mentioned? How, how do we find the real problem? Is, does this become an end-all and be-all in itself, or is it something you can just say, well, we think we know what it is, that's good enough, let's go about solving it? Well, you bring up a good point because data scientists is one of the fastest growing professions um, around now, and it's it's coming into supply chains. It's coming into a lot of different aspects in business. I think we can use those same principles and all become part-time data scientists ourselves and challenge ourselves in the way that we're looking at data and how we're collecting it and how we're then using that to figure out what those problems are that we need to solve. So I don't think necessarily... We have to employ uh, just data scientists to be able to have, you know, a discerning eye towards the data that we can collect. 
Thank you very much. Appreciate your indulging my question. Pleasure <clears throat> to meet you, Matt. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, and now let's bring on our third panelist. It's Mark Averskog. I'll spell his last name if you want to look him up. A-V-E-R-S-K-O-G. He is a Senior Director of Solution Management for SCM Solutions at SAP. And we're going to look at the music world right now because Mark has brought me a wonderful <clears throat> quote from the boss, Bruce Springsteen. And if somebody has been hiding under a rock, Bruce Springsteen is alive and well, born in September 1949. He's a compatriot of mine, sort of, kind of, an American musician, singer, songwriter, humanitarian. I like that. Best known for his work with the E Street Band, nicknamed The Boss. He's widely known for his brand of poetic lyrics, Americana, working class, and sometimes political sentiment, sentiment centered on his native New Jersey. I'm in New York, so I could wave to Bruce. His distinctive voice and his lengthy and energetic stage performances, his concerts typically run three hours or more. Uh, Born to Run was his most successful studio album in 1975, excuse me, and Born in the USA 1984, and he has sold more than 64 million albums in the U.S. and more than 120 million records worldwide. He's one of the world's best-selling artists of all times. Here is the quote, and it does apply to business, interestingly, as Mark will explain. In the end, nobody wins unless everybody wins. Mark Averskog, welcome to Game Changers. How are you, Mark? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. Delighted. Love the Springsteen quote. We love music quotes, and I thank you for that. So tell me, are you a big follower of the E Street Band and the boss? And, and how did you come across this quote? Yes, I am. I'll, I'll date myself. I, yeah, I am a big fan of Bruce Springsteen. I've been following him for years. Uh, appreciate his music and his attitudes, and um, <clears throat> like you said, has a great introduction to Bruce. And I, you know, his uh, the, the quote I picked. There's obviously he's written hundreds of songs. You can pick many quotes from him, but I thought that quote is really interesting. He came up with that uh, in the mid '80s when he was on the Born in the USA tour, uh, and I'm I'm not really sure exactly what he intended or meant with that quote. But but for me, thinking about it from a sort of a business perspective and a global logistics perspective is that, you know, the world's getting more global, we know, for the past few decades, and companies source materials and components globally, and they sell and distribute more and more globally. Um, and like you said in your opening monologue, that's, that's often a goal of many businesses and ways to grow. Um, however, when you, from a logistics perspective, when you, when you do grow and you expand and you do import-export transactions and you ship things through ocean, vessel, or air, or whatever mode you 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 do ship through. This is this has a lot of moving parts involved in it. It's not just, let's say, a component supplier that manufactures a part for you, and then you as the end customer. This has to do de- dealings with uh, various countries, different uh, import and export agencies, security filings, customs filings. Um, there's interim uh, carriers that will move goods from A to B. There's interim warehouses and so forth. So you're dealing with a great many different entities in, in order to stitch together a global supply chain, particularly when it comes to the logistics side. Um, and so you're relying on many, many different entities and many, many different partners around the world <clears throat> to make this all work. And and to be truly successful, uh, none of this can really fail. It's sort of like the weakest link in a chain. You need all links mm-hmm. in the chain to be really strong and, and to tie it all together. And, and I think that's kind of what that quote kind of me- means to me and how it sort of resonates into this conversation. Um, like if if everybody isn't really on their game and doing their job, then, then something will fail and it could be pretty dramatic uh, from a business perspective. 
Thank you. Very thoughtful answer. I appreciate that. And and what you're saying makes me think, Mark, that I, I think in my opening, if I can remember that far back a few minutes ago, I said something like most companies want to aspire to be global. And, and is there really any such thing as a truly local company business anymore? Uh, what you brought up about all of the entities involved in supply chain is it possible today, Mark, that a small business can not really be aware that they are global through the entities who produce or supply or move or ship or somehow touch, package, look at, design something this company is selling and they think, oh, we're just local, we're a small mom and pop, but they really are global because of one point on that supply chain. Is it possible anybody still thinks they're really global, Mark? That's my question. Yeah, I mean, you know, even small companies, and obviously it depends on where they source and where their customers are, but I think one one thing is for a company, even a smaller company producing uh, some kind of good, physical good, uh, is that if they sell through, uh, you know, well-known digital channels like the Internet over, over the web, um, mm-hmm. certainly most of these companies would sell to a global audience and global customer base. Uh, and in doing so, most of those smaller companies that are emerging would would um, would contract with um, uh, with a larger carrier or freight forwarder such such as DHL or FedEx that could manage the picking and picking up and shipping and filing all the paperwork that's needed for an for an import or export transaction. So I think I think they rely heavily on partners uh, in the logistics space to to manage that those transactions for them. Uh, that's a sort of if you are emerging and, and same and the same token if you're. Um, if you're having, like, let's say, a product that you've invented that you're having manufactured, for example, in China, which is very commonplace, as we know, um, it's the same thing. If you deal with a larger carrier or, or a freight forwarder or a broker, they can, in turn, deal with a lot of these transactions and paperwork that's necessary for you. So I think it is, it is infinitely more easy to be, to be quote, a global player uh, out of the gate today than it was, say, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, just because of, of digitization. Thank you very much. Appreciate that very much, Mark, and welcome to the show. And now I'm going to circle all the way back around the table. I think we have a really big table today. A lot of big quotes here at the table, so it must be a big virtual table. Parm Singh at Deloitte Consulting. I'm going to ask you, Parm, where are you calling from? What time of the day or night is it? And what are you drinking right now if it's interesting? If not, what would you rather be drinking? This is our What's in Your Cup Today segment. Go ahead, Parm. All right. So I'm in the middle of... uh uh, central Illinois, land of Lincolns, um, sitting in my office, looking outside, beautiful weather. It is going to be 60 degree. Uh, I wish mm. I could just go out and run uh, because that's one of my passion. Um, as, as I mentioned in my little bio also, I love uh, outside activities, running, hiking, biking. Uh, so whenever I see the weather outside and it looks, you know, gorgeous, um, I, I can't hold myself back. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's a Tuesday morning at work, uh, sipping on my favorite chai latte, uh, which is, uh, I guess, uh, most popular drink nowadays. Um, because, it, 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 and it is interesting that most of the Asians, since I'm from India, I love drinking chai latte because it is more close to the traditional chai that we have in India. Mm-hmm. However, it is not the chai that we have in India is not as sugary as uh, the chai latte is. So um, that's what I'm up to right now, Bonnie. 
Thank you very much, Chai Latte. I'm trying to tell the world about this on Twitter. hope you don't mind the invasion of privacy here, but nothing is safe when you're on Game Changers Radio. Be careful what you talk about. I'm only teasing. Parm, delighted you're having a good cup of Chai Latte. Matt Miller, where are you, and what are you drinking? Well, I'm about uh, 25 feet away from Parmender in the middle of <laughs> Illinois as well, and uh, I'm double-fisting uh, coffee and water this morning. It is uh, early morning, and... Um, but last night, I, uh, I went out with uh, one of my closest friends since I was eight years old, and we had uh, Jameson cask mates together because uh, he told me that he was pregnant with his uh, third kid. Oh, and what, did, what were you drinking? Tell me again. Jameson cask mates. It's, uh, it's Jameson Ooh. whiskey, and it's finished in a stout cask. Ooh, that sounds very, very interesting. Well, mazel tov to your friend. I wish him and his wife, who I think is his wife is probably the one who's pregnant, yes? Yeah, I think and, he has uh, something to do with it, but I think she's the <laughs> one that's actually pregnant. Yeah, it's called guilt by association, but who's blaming anybody? Thank you very much. And by the way, guys, I'm jealous. It is probably very cool, but it's raining like a banshee here on Long Island. We had, I think, a couple of hours of sunshine yesterday. I don't know, maybe it's because of the Indiana primary tonight. Maybe we're sympathetic. I'm not sure. But the world is crying right now in New York, and I wish we had beautiful, sunny, warm weather. So I am jealous. Thank you, Parm. Thank you, Matt. And Mr. Mark Averskog, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking today? Oh, thank you, Bonnie. I'm calling from working from home this week, and I'm, I live in Bend, Oregon, which is central Oregon. Uh, sort of a mountain town and um, beautiful weather uh, here this spring. It's about uh, it's blue, almost blue skies. It's supposed to hit about 75 today. I'm looking out over a lot of green pine trees. Uh, as you could imagine, as being Oregon, a lot of trees out here. Um, and um, I am usually I'm kind of like Matt. I'm usually like a coffee water guy uh, to get myself woken up. It is 7 a.m. Or actually now it's 7:22 a.m. I think here out in the Pacific time zone. Um, sometimes though, um, coffee just gets me a little overcharged. Sometimes. So recently, I've been starting to drink more kind of herbal teas, like chamomile, lemongrass kind of infused teas, and I think that's a nice sort of a nice break in, in, in with all the caffeine and, and coffee. Um, and going on in my life, and so so that's kind of what I'm having today. It's just a herbal herbal tea. So well, Mark, what you good. don't know about me is that I spent many years living in Eugene, Oregon, and I know what the weather is like there. And I'm still jealous you're having a beautiful day. Eugene was, uh, I don't know, was the running capital. Remember the Steve Prefontaine right. Trail at uh, and Mary Decker Tab at the U University of Oregon. I lived very near there, and it was a town that was so overwhelmed that they actually got a traffic helicopter that would tell us that cars were stopped for, let me see, a traffic jam was considered when you had to wait for two red lights before you could proceed through an intersection. That was a traffic jam at rush hour in Eugene. It was a big deal, I got to tell you, but it was a beautiful place. And I got my first, I got my second part of my education, graduate school, as a uh, computer programmer analyst back in the old mainframe days, running on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5, loading disk packs and keep punching and card decks and carrying around boxes of Holler with 80-column cards. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? You're probably all too young. Mm. And then I worked at the Oregon Total Information System in another part of Oregon running a student services uh, segment for them. And I was doing, uh, let's see, I was coding first COBOL and then I was coding... um, 
what was I doing? PL1, I think, on a uh, IBM 4341. So I remember Oregon very fondly, the good old days. And people used to say that Eugene was too big, Mark. They said they wanted to go back to a small town. I think the lumber industry had just tanked. This was in the late 1970s, and everybody was fleeing. And we were giving our homes back to the banks because we couldn't even sell our beautiful homes. So it was a crazy time. But anyway, I have a very fond memory of Oregon. Yes, the stories I could tell. Oh, I just did. We have an interesting panel here today, (laughs) not to digress. We have Parm Singh and Matt Miller at Deloitte Consulting. And shout out to Amanda Bush and Carla Neal and our friends at Deloitte. Thank you for always sending us wonderful thought leaders. And my new best friend, Mark Averscog at SAP, who is sitting in Oregon right now. And I have my fond memories. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And all they let me drink on show days, surprise, surprise, is water. I cannot go near caffeine when I'm on the radio. Today's a doubleheader day. We are now on Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers. And I'll be back an hour later with digital industries changing the game. So we are busy today bringing you great business conversations. At least we think we are here on the Business Channel. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have a lot more on the digital modernization of your logistics network. If you still haven't figured out what it is, you got to stick around because my three panelists will help explain and tell you what you need to know to make your business grow and thrive in this digital economy and whatever economy is coming next. So our topic today Riding the wave serves up the digital modernization of logistics. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Rising customer expectations, complex supply networks, and a focus on your business's bottom line make it more important than ever to bring your extended supply chain into the future. Your extended supply chain is one of the most critical components of your business success. From matching supply to demand with efficient order fulfillment to designing and manufacturing amazing products, hear how you can bring your extended supply chain into the future. Our experts discuss how the extended supply chain of the future is producing dramatic results to businesses worldwide. The extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers. Indeed, and I think we can say the extended supply chain of the future is the extended supply chain today. Don't hide under a rock. Listen up and find out what's going on if you don't already know about it. Talking today with Parm Singh and Matt Miller at Deloitte and Mark Averscog at SAP. And we're going to start our roundtable in earnest. I think we've already been talking round the table, but let's dive into some topics my guest sent me before the show. Let's ask Parm Singh to talk about the following. He says, what does the distribution center of 
the future look like? And Parham says the D.C. distribution center is taking on greater importance as a driver of growth and profitability. That's where we started out in the opening of the show. And he adds, top companies are leveraging today's technology to prepare for the distribution center of the future and riding the next wave of technologies on the horizon. And here's what's fun about this. From wearables to mobile manufacturing, what? To the Internet of Things. We know about that. Parm, there's a lot of meat on these bones. Why don't you take two minutes and give us a run-through of what this is all about, and then we'll invite your colleagues on the panel to chime in. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um let me let me take a step back. I'm talking about like a decade back when I landed uh, doing my first warehouse or distribution implementations. It used to be like we were running um, operations uh, which was totally paper based, which means uh, if I have a, I have a customer who place a order. I'm printing it on a piece of paper and giving it to my employee in the warehouse and telling him go find this product in the warehouse and bring it back so that we can ship it to customer. The next wave came where we have, um, we automated a little bit. We put um, best of breed, state of an art warehouse management solutions to run our distribution centers. What it helped was we, we migrated from paper-based operation to a RF radio frequency handheld processes. Uh, and everybody thought, well, that's great. We have improved our productivity. Our warehouse operations are running um, on low cost and highly efficient. Well, if that is what you think was efficient, now that's <laughs> now the new tools are coming into the market where you know we are taking RF away from our employees and giving them tools which talk to them. Mm-hmm. which show them instead of them reading which part, which bin location they need to go and pick. We are equipping with them with a new technology like a, a uh, goggles. They are wearing them, and we have a voice picking system which tells them, okay, I need part A, B, C, and it is located in this bin location. The, the, the warehouse employees don't even need to look at what they are trying to find, which part are they trying to find it. So this, this has come a long way, and it is not stopping here. 3D printing, wearables, which we all know, like RFIDs, robotics, um, uh, Internet of Things, which is, which is, I guess, a buzzword. It is more than a buzzword. And let me, let me take a, a little deep dive into how the Internet of Things is going to, is, is helping run our operations more efficiently. If I place an order at Amazon, for example, all I know is it is going to come from a China or from a local vendor. But it, it, I can trace that part moving out of the warehouse when it is on the road, when the freight forwarder is going to pick it up, and when it is going to deliver. So each and every milestone throughout the life of a product getting manufactured, picked in the, from the warehouse, loaded on the, on the vehicle, and dropped at my place, all, I have a visibility to all these, uh, all these milestones, what I call them. 
So if you really look back and look at now, it has come a long way. And, and that's, that's what is what's changing this whole dynamics or the way we operate uh, in the industry now. Thank you, Parm. Very interesting. And I'm going to say, I'm going to throw an E-word in there, exciting. It sounds like these technologies are exciting. It's changing the game for people who are working in there. It's not just boring. It's, wow, look at what, look at the tools they've given me. Look at how I'm part of this. Look at how technology is making my job more interesting and fun, and I'm more a part of the process rather than just doing something. Is that safe to say, Parm? Absolutely, absolutely. And RFID, for example, I was reading an article the other day and it was very interesting that um, big uh, retailers, for example, Zara and Macy's, they have um, their focus in 2016 is, especially for Zara, that they are going to put RFID tags on each of their um, uh, uh, clothes um, in 2016, which will, you know, which is a great thing. This is this is this RF tags. You know, if you it's, it's a small chip that you put, and you can at, sitting in your office, you can find where this piece of uh, clothes or dress is sitting at. So mm-hmm. it's, it it helps companies to you know improve the inventory accuracy. I think that'll help a lot in the consumer world, thinking of shopping in great big stores. I won't mention the name of the one that starts with M and ends with YS. And you can wander around looking for that dress or that pair of pants you saw 12 minutes ago. And there's not a single human being in that store, to my knowledge, who can help you find what department, what rack, where it was, what it cost. You just spend the day, bring a donut. What can I say? Matt Miller, love to get your POV on all of this. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, what, what Parminder is talking about is really being able to help both cost and speed within these distribution centers, all of this, uh, the Internet of Things and wearables, et cetera. You know, moving from paper-based um, transactions into RF guns and now into wearables and voice picking and things like that allows us to reduce that time from being able to put something away or being able to pick something to fulfill an order for a customer and with that speed, obviously, the data comes with it as well because we get visibility for every step in the process that they, um, that they perform. That's really where the cost piece of it uh, comes from. So we have all of this data at our, at our fingertips of when we put things away, how fast it took, took us, how, um, you know, how much distance our, our warehouse workers are, are closing in between e- each of their picks. And that allows us to help make the right inventory decisions in the warehouse around what do we need to hold. Um, you know, there's a big emphasis right now on being able to reduce our, our overall inventory um, within our distribution centers and, and within, you know, manufacturing plants and being able to see the, the data from how we are, are moving this inventory around and actually consuming it gives us that, uh, that chance to make the right decisions. Because in the in the um, in the position that we're in now, if we make the wrong decisions, it's magnified because of the speed by which we're all working. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Matt. Very insightful. Appreciate that. And let's turn to Mark Averscog at SAP. Mark, thoughts about inventory management, warehouse decision making, all of this new exciting IoT technology. Is it helping? How? Where? What? Talk to me. What is your thought? 
Yeah, no, I really, really, really enjoyed the conversation. No, I think uh, just to piggyback on on <clears throat> farm and math comments, you know, in, in supply chain logistics in particular, the, the business metric very often used to measure improvements or, or success has to do with uh, inventory, or the valuation of inventory, such that if you reduce inventory, you can reduce carrying costs uh, of that inventory, and that's usually a big capital expenditure. Um, and then the other one is really is headcount. Um, so if you're able to reduce headcount in, in, in the folks that work in your logistics chain or your supply chain, then that also speaks to um, to reduced uh, cost and efficiencies. Is really inventory headcount typically is where the, where the money ends up being um, being allocated to in initiatives in logistics and supply chain. I think all of these technologies that um, Matt and Parm talk about are contributing to that fact very much. So um, it's also what goes on within the warehouse. Being able to let's uh, Parm had mentioned RFID tags. You can tag individual products with an RFID tag that can literally send out um, you know, waves to the Internet where it can be picked up where things are located at, how many of them are there, um, and so forth. And it would be easier to, uh, faster and easier to pick it up. So these are, within a warehouse, you're often talking about um, fast-moving, slow-moving goods, and you want the fast-moving goods to be closer to the center aisle, if you will, so that mm-hmm. uh, forklifts and folks can pick up goods more easily, make it more efficient. Um, that's a classic example of how RFID or IoT technology can be helpful. There's also mm-hmm. companies out there um, that we've looked at from an SAP perspective that there's one company in Switzerland that delivers a system that puts sensors in the entire ceiling of a warehouse and Ooh. puts sensors also and also puts sensors on um, equipment that moves goods such as a forklift mm-hmm. uh, and can and can coordinate and control the movements um, of these forklifts as it moves around the warehouse in addition to RFID tagging the, the components and there's a there's a lot of th- interesting things going on in the world of <clears throat> IoT that that speaks to um, efficiencies in the warehouse. Mark, very interesting. You said something I have a question about. You talked about, I believe you said, warehouse inventory headcount reduction. What is inventory mm-hmm. headcount? Is that the number of pieces of physical inventory you are holding in a warehouse, or is that people? Oh, those are people. So essentially, if you automate warehouses, you need less people, right, So to, to, to move goods around. Um, so that's, that's another way of kind of making your business case stand when you make investments into technologies that improve your um, visibility or transportation or warehousing activities. Like I said, I think probably reduced inventory is probably the bigger one, um, but, but headcount reduction is another one, and that speaks to automation. Okay, I can hear people out there wincing and saying, Mark, you're taking my job away. What do we say to that? I know we're not going to get into the moral issues of automation, but you're taking my kid's job away. He was an inventory person. What what do we say to that? It's like the whole evolution of anything, really, right? It's, there's more, uh, there's more, um, there's more people needed in technology, right, to build these technologies, deploy technologies, and operate these technologies. So I think it's, it's maybe more globally or looking at national economy, it's more of a shift of, of where the workforce needs to put its emphasis on. Um, you know, so instead of maybe picking something, you'd rather have them work on deploying that technology or help improving the processes in the warehouse. Thank you very much. I've stopped crying right now, I promise. Don't bleed you are liberal here. I appreciate that. Parm, (laughs) any quick words on what Matt and Mark have added? Because I have a fascinating topic here in Matt Miller's notes I really want to go to next. So, Parm, I'll give you about 30 seconds to wrap this one up. Any closing thoughts on this topic? Yeah, I mean, it's the same, again, reiterating the fact that, you know, 
are the, the today's supply chain companies they they are customer um, focused uh, approach um, whatever it takes to eliminate or reduce the time that it needs to take uh, from receiving the order to dropping the products at customer's doorstep um, companies are trying to do and best of breed warehouse management solutions um, digital word uh, or say spike in visibility whatever is helping is happening um, so um, it's 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 a new way of doing business take the order pick pack ship or if it need to be procured from externally procure that manufacture put it together and try to uh, ship it to customer's doorstep uh, as quickly as fast um, and of course it need to look at the cost as well so Thank you very much, Parm. Mr. Matt Miller, I'm looking at your notes. Here's something very interesting. You posed a uh, very interesting question in your notes. I'm going to read the statement in the question, have you dive into it, and then we'll ask Mark Averscog at SAP and your colleague at Deloitte, Mr. Parm Singh, to chime in. You say, the explosion of devices all connected to the Internet, and that's exactly, I think, a beautiful segue from what we've been talking about right a few minutes ago. The explosion of devices all connected to the Internet which is what? The Internet of Things, IOT, and the Internet of Everything, the IOE promise, is going to cause some interesting and non-trivial security issues. And then Matt Miller says, or is it? Well, where are we standing on this issue? Security problems, trivial or not trivial, truth, consequence, talk to me. Matt Miller. I guess what I would say is it, it, it will, in the short term, cause some non-trivial security issues, and we've seen it already, right, um, where pe- people get their iPhones hacked or they get, um, you know, they start to hack people's toasters or they can unlock cars from uh, from being able to, to hack into those as well. I think that we, we also are in this hyper-aware uh, state now as far as, businesses and their brand images and also what it does to credibility and sales um, that I think the horsepower that we're putting behind trying to secure some of these, at least making it where it's uh, it's not worth the time to be able to hack a toaster as it takes to figure out <laughs> what it takes to, to hack it. Um, I think that over time we're going to start seeing, um, you know, people to go back to the other targets away. But, but certainly now um, there's so many different types of things and so many competing standards out there of how things connect uh, together and share information that uh, th- that right now there's a, a big emphasis on how we can uh, how we can secure our data as it moves across so let's go back quickly Matt before I bring in Mark and Parm on this let's talk about the sensors in the ceilings of warehouses somebody mentioned a few minutes ago is that a possible security hack or hackable security is that something where uh, competitor A is looking at competitor B and saying ah we can put a little spy cam in the ceiling of Bob's factory and find out exactly if he's making it with velvet or with synthetic material is this something is this just out of a bad movie or is this something that could really happen and is it happening? Well, I mean, it, it absolutely could happen. So somebody, uh, probably less on cor- corporate espionage, but think about a, a hacker that, uh, you know, 
has bets with his buddies and is able to hack those sensors to say that inventory is gone out of the warehouse, right? And people are getting alerts that things are missing and, um, you know, buy signals start to get created where they're procuring more materials. And all of a sudden that DC's got, a, uh, you know, an entire other DC of orders flooding into it. Now, that's a, that's a pretty extreme case, but you mm-hmm. could also have where, uh, you know, a, a, a DC worker is able to uh, trick those sensors and, uh, and then take that material home with them out of the warehouse. So, you know, as we, it, it doesn't really change the fact that back in the paper days, somebody could have pocketed material and take it home. It just changes how we talk about securing inventory and securing the data as it flows around. Thank you very much. The need to secure inventory and data. I like that. Mr. Mark Averskog at SAP. What do you think about all this? Is it true? Is it fiction? Is it something for our listeners to worry about? No, no. I think it's definitely true, and security is always, always has been a concern. And it's a, there's new dimensions to security, like Matt mentioned, when you when everything becomes digital, um, you know, you're susceptible to to hacks into that digital flow of information. So it, it, with new technologies, for the benefits that there are, you know, there's also the, the backside of it. Um, but the, uh, another aspect of security could be counterfeiting and theft. Um, so this is the loss of, of product as it goes through the logistics supply chain, as it goes through multiple carriers perhaps in different countries, um, gets offloaded at a port, sits in an interim warehouse for a while, goes through customs, gets picked up with another carrier. Um, so theft and counterfeiting is still is still an issue. There, there are emerging technologies too, where um, containers are sealed electronically, or certain pallets are sealed electronically, um, and those seals are also do um, they double up as a as RFID signals. So you could actually track and see if something's been tampered with, i.e., if a container's been opened or a pallet is no longer transmitting, it's missing, um, things like this, uh, uh, just to track and, and coordinate better and be aware of theft, um, as well as counterfeiting, because you can inc- start to encode things that are unique to your product if someone tries to copy it and then create knockoffs, if you will. Um, those are also opportunities um, to, um, to counter some of the counterfeiting and, and, and theft activities that are ongoing, always been ongoing, I should say. Hmm. Thank you very much. Parm Singh, agree, disagree? Any case Absolutely. studies you want to share? Absolutely. Yep. This, is a, this is a concern and this is a risk. If you really look at it nowadays, it's a small thing. We are getting a small chips on our credit cards. And it's, earlier it was that you have to slide. Now there are chips. And in one form or other form, there are ways to read that data from the chips electronically or mm. remotely. What we have seen is, like, if you see, uh, there are, and, and this is a very small thing, but this is, this is how basic it has become now. Um, the company is selling a wallet which, are, which protect your RFIDs, RFID-protected uh, material, so that people can't steal the stuff out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. And this and when we when we discuss this topic this topic at the higher level within on the organization level, the risk is there. But you know it, the risk was always there. And um, over the period of time, you know, if we are inventing a technology in parallel, somebody is working on to break that technology in parallel. Somebody is working on the security and make it more 
um, inventing the way to prevent that theft. So risk is always there. It is always going to be there, but there will be measures also which um, you know the organizations are taking to prevent those thefts. Thank you very much. I'm going to quickly turn this back to Matt Miller. Matt, any closing thoughts? Because I want to get one more topic in from Mark Averskog before we move to our crystal ball predictions round. Matt? Yeah, you bet. The only comment I'd like to make is, you know, uh, Mark brings up an interesting point as our supply chains, you know, are, are more and more global. Our intellectual property is as well. So this security discussion that we're having, you know, uh, in addition to just physical goods and uh, and um, you know, theft and things like that, and counterfeiting. Also, the ability for us to secure our intellectual property as it moves around and understand who is using it and for what purposes um, brings up an interesting um, uh, 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 look into what we need to do from a security standpoint as well. Indeed. Thank you very much. Good wrap-up to that, Mark Averskog. I'm looking at something here I don't think we've talked about yet, not a lot of time, but I'd love you to explain to us. You say, as larger companies grow and evolve over time, this may include mergers and acquisitions, but also potential spin-off sales of assets or business units. And you add the cost and time associated with these activities can be considerable. So, digitizing your logistics, your warehouse, your inventory in this future of extended supply chain? How is this going to help ameliorate or cut down on the time and cost associated? We're talking about M&As and, and spinoffs. Mark? Yes, right, Bonnie. Yeah, so this is something that I've <clears throat> encountered. Um, you know how, co- how corporations oftentimes buy other corporations and, and, and merge them with their own, and sometimes uh, businesses get spin off and sold, maybe because they're profitable, maybe because they're not. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of activity going on in, um, uh, in the corporate world of, of mergers and acquisitions and spin off type sales. Uh, and, and uh, you know, firsthand, we do this to get involved sometimes here at SAP when we acquire other companies with uh, similar complementary offerings to, to us. And it's it's a very uh, it's a very painstaking process to go through a full a full merger. To, oftentimes, it takes years, and there's a lot of legal aspects to it and financial aspects to it, obviously. Um, but to be able to uh, to be able to have uh, a more digitized world where you have more uh, electronic information as to what's going on with with production, warehousing, logistics. Uh, with a company, let's say you're acquiring, that's going to be a lot easier to um, to integrate and merge with your existing business, uh, as well as also uh, spinning off a business and making sure that that gets cut out of the cuts out of the setup you have today. And I, I feel like this this is one area that's uh, maybe not the most buzzworthy of all, but uh, and maybe not the most exciting. But there is there's certainly um, projections of if if we are in a much more digitized world these activities um, are, are, are bound to be a lot easier to, to go through. Interesting. So this would be a, a truly future look for small companies that are thinking uh, they might want to either do an MRA to acquire or to be acquired and that this could be an investment in making that process easier. Is that a, a good way of looking at it from both ends of the, the M and the A side, if I have that I right, Mark? So. Yeah, I think, I think so, Bonnie. I think so. It is. It is a future. It's a future outlook, obviously, and and, and looking at things that are way more digitized. Uh, all aspects of businesses as they get acquired um, and merging them into another business. That's that's uh, something I see that should be a lot easier to do. 
Thank you very much. I'm going to give our other panelists just 30 seconds to comment on that because we're officially in the crystal ball predictions round. So, Parm, can you just give us a real quick couple sentences on what you think about automated logistics and digitization helping with the M&A? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? If your customer is global and you are a 3PL, you are trying to help your customer and you want and to help that you have to be uh, global as well. So when we say M&A, it is not that you are acquiring the whole company. You can be sharing services as well. So um, it's, it's, it, it is, a you know, according to um, Gartner's most recent customer survey, this is on... Um, this is a rapidly increasing uh, trend in the market right now. Thank you very much. Matt Miller, quick comment on M&A and logistics. What do you think? Yeah, I think it is important. It does help speed those M&A uh, activities. Um, what what I would uh, hope for all of us is that we start to throw some of our uh, weight behind some of the standards in this space about how these uh, you know digital information is being shared back and forth. And I think that would do a lot to continue to speed that uh, uh, discussion that, that Mark was having before. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And let's circle back to Parm. I'm going to give you exactly, ooh, less than a minute. We're almost out of time. Parm, I love the year 2020. Don't know how far in the future you would like to look. I know you polished off that Deloitte SAP crystal ball. But what do you see coming down the pike for extended supply chain, logistics, inventory, IoT, uh, digitizing everything? So why don't we say, give me the time frame and give me a 45-second prediction. Parm Singh, go. Yeah, I think the warehouse logistic operations are close to my heart because that's my bread and butter and my predictions. I think what more and more we, uh, the companies are going to move towards self-managing warehouses where automation and robotics are going to be augmented by a handful of people equipped with, with variables. So that's the change. And, you know, it's also going to impact uh, in a way that companies have to think about before opening a new warehouse uh, facility, they have to, you know, need to evaluate what is the right place, what is the right location. Um, and, and that's going to be key um, because you, you, there, there may be, uh, you may have, an, you, you're looking at the holistic network strategy before expanding your footprints in the marketplace. So I guess my 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 future, my prediction is that um, more and more variables, uh, Internet of Things, robotics, and 3D print, printing is going to be the future. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much, Matt Miller. Prediction: 60 seconds, real tight. Please go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I think uh, I think you know as we get more and more of this data out here, we're going to start start shifting the conversation towards machine learning and neural networks. Um, you know, we just saw DeepMind by Google beat, uh, uh, you know, the, one of the best Go players in the world. We're seeing that machines are, are so much better at pattern matching and building algorithms than, than we are. Of course, we, ha- we have to program them, but I think we're going to get away from the how do we consume the data and information ourselves and how do we build networks that are then consuming that information and making real-time decisions for us where we're just monitoring and, uh, and feeding into some of these uh, automated warehousing systems and, uh, and some of the, the, the new things that Perminder was talking about before. 
Thank you very much, Mark Averscog. Predictions, I can give you, ooh, 60 seconds, go. 60 seconds, thank you. No, I think the, <laughs> the future's all around digitization and, and everything becoming electronically connected um, uh, in a gigantic network of, of things. Much like how the Internet's connected today, you can connect to anybody uh, point to point um, just through email, if you will. I think that's what's going to happen to all the entities uh, that are involved in logistics and all the business. If it's a warehouse, a product, a forklift, a truck, ocean vessel, or a port or a customs agency, it's all going to be seamlessly interlinked. And I think the the key word there is it's almost turning into um, it's, it's it's going to go toward full automation and almost like a self um, self learning robot system of information and moving parts and assets etc. Uh, I think that's going to give um, companies um, a lot of opportunity to grow into different markets uh, through through different verticals that they haven't seen before and be able to do it very very fast. So I think overall is speed up innovation uh, innovation greatly. Thank you very much. And, gentlemen, somebody mentioned robotics, and I have to do a shout-out to my local hometown team, Great Neck South High School Robotics Team, number 2638, were on my TV show a couple months ago, and they are sweeping the robotics competitions across the United States, going on and on and on to championships. So shout-out to John Machkovich and all of the very talented students who are into robotics big time. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We've had a really, really great conversation talking with two gentlemen from Deloitte Consulting. We had the pleasure of speaking with with Parm Singh and Matt Miller, as well as Mark Averskog at SAP. Shout out to Rick Imber. Shout out to Shane Ellis and all the people who helped put this show together. And now I have a quick shout out for all of you. You know what my call to action is. I don't care where that seatbelt is sitting in inventory. Fasten their seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you in another hour with a new live edition of Digital Industries Changing the Game. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.